Talking rugby, telling stories, rugby pick. Welcome to Rugby Pick'em. How are you? I'm doing good, bro. How are you? I'm excellent. Great to hear your voice. I know we love to do a live rugby pick'em show, but tell us how are you holding up uh, over in South Africa? Right, it's been uh, it's been it's been difficult. Uh, I think it's not been the easiest time for everyone, but uh, we seem to be over the worst of it here in South Africa. Um, it's uh, it's it, we definitely got that first wave of coronavirus under control. Um, we had one of the hardest lockdowns anywhere in the world, um, so that was pretty brutal. Um, and it seemed to do the trick for now. So you know, all things going well. Well, we've missed you here on Rugby Peckham, um, and uh, it's good to have you back. Although 2020 has been bizarre, we do have some rugby uh, ahead of us, specifically the Bermuda Tens. Now. Tell me, because I'm new to tens. Has there been a bit of a history in South Africa with tens? It's it's a new code, I guess. Um, not not to us. Uh, the, the the tens uh, is actually a concept that came around probably probably ten or fifteen years ago. Uh, two ex Springboks, uh, Rob Fleck and Bob Skinstad, brought the tens concept um, to South Africa, sort of a hybrid tournament format to bridge both sevens and fifteens rugby but, but to create a, you know a more tournament uh, you know social tournament environment and uh, very very successful Cape Town tens has been going for uh, like I said about ten years plus now um, and uh, it gets draws crowds of over ten thousand people every year um, it's a big participation uh, event lots and lots of teams involved um, but the rugby tends to focus a little bit more on the social side it's not super serious. Um, we often see a lot of ex-internationals coming out to play in sort of exhibition-type games. And the tens concept really focuses heavily on the social. It's really a lot of fun. Those boys put on one heck of a show. Big bands, a big party. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's it really is a social event more than anything else. Um, so interesting that these guys are now trying to uh, you know pick out the rugby element and maybe uh, up it and, and, and turn that into a more competitive. Um, a more competitive event uh, over there in Bermuda. It sounds very interesting. Yeah, when the tournament got announced, well, first there were whispers, right? I had heard something was happening in Bermuda. It was a, a mythical myth, one would say. But finally they announced right. it, and, and my first questions that came to mind were, of course, financial, you know, because I like the business end of the game. Who are the financial backers, and what are their end game? Um, and from what I can gather, Tiger Rugby, Paul... Holmes and James Walker are heading it, but I think the end game is to have a year-round tense tour. They had some really aggressive uh, hopes of 12 stops a year. So similar to that HSBC 7's model where you're traveling around and and the same teams are competing over and over. Um, But I, I guess my question to you is, with 7's programs getting cut around the world by broke unions, will this 10's thing take flight? Uh, in any ordinary year, I would say to you, oh, geez, these guys are, you know, they, they really are ambitious and they're dreaming. But funnily enough, 
um, you know, as what we discussed a little earlier, uh, there's so many players sitting around waiting for a game. And, uh, you know, unions are falling over, clubs are falling over. The game is in chaos worldwide, actually. I'm, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm watching Ireland play Italy at a completely empty stadium in the Six Nations. This can't be good and this can't go on. I mean, we really are on life support. So if these guys from Tiger Rugby have managed to get 12 owners together that are prepared to put the kind of money in we were talking about earlier uh, in the middle of a pandemic to host a rugby tournament on a tropical island uh, with players from all over the world, that is an incredibly ambitious project, uh, but commendable as well because it, it, it might just draw the attention that it needs to uh, and it's a perfect time for a big shake-up in rugby, which is uh, a lot of people have been thinking is long overdue. I'm not sure this is it, but at least these guys are having a crack and, uh, and good on them for, for, for at least trying to come up with a, a concept uh, to, to take 10s rugby, which I actually quite liked. I managed a 10s team once and I, and I enjoyed the actual rugby aspect of it. I always felt that there might be a, uh, an opportunity for what, what, what it would look like if, if really good players, good rugby players from both 7s and 15s started playing 10s. Uh, seriously, so I, I would be intrigued to see what uh, what a good tens team could uh, could do, and, and, and what sort of uh, entertainment value a tens uh, ten series could could provide uh, over either sevens or fifteens. Yeah, I'm just happy for the players. Um, when when you dedicate your life to playing rugby professionally, and then you're told that oh you've done everything right, but those seasons been cancelled, uh, it's probably pretty gut wrenching, and they're all trying to stay fit in a lockdown. They just want the opportunity to, to step on the field and play, and it seems that the Bermuda Tens is going to offer that. Uh, but another thing I thought was, where, where does Tens land on a player safety scale? Because I think it has some of those good aspects of Sevens, where the players will get tired out. There aren't going to be the massive collisions that we see in 15s rugby, where the forward pack is just pounding the line over and over and over and, and the rucks are brutal I think we're going to have a nice happy medium between the speed and skills of sevens and the hardcore forward pack collisions of fifteens am I right or am I wrong here? Yes, uh, yes I think you are right fifteens was always commended because it was a game for all shapes and sizes You know, everybody could, could find a position in fifteens sevens was a little limited because if you didn't have speed you're going to be useless uh, you, that was, you know, that was absolutely imperative to be a sevens player. Tens, um, I think there's room for both. Uh, you know, your stronger, more physical players, but there's absolutely no negotiation on ball skills like your ability to pass, run, and catch into space. And it's definitely going to be a more aerobic game uh, that's going to actually require a fair degree of athleticism as well. Um, so, yeah, as I said, well, we've never seen the very best players actually playing tens. It's never really happened. Um, in the peak of their, their powers, so to speak. So this would be interesting to see because there's some serious players lined up for this uh, this tens tournament, and uh, we, we've never seen we've never actually seen elite players competing in a tens tournament before. Um, as I said, the only tens that I'm aware of has, has been pretty pretty social with some old boys uh, games and that, that sort of thing. Yeah, so we'll dive into the players, but uh, back on the the positioning, I, I would just add one final thing: is if I was a prop, I would 
definitely skew to the middle of the field on defense. Because uh, you can imagine getting lined up with Cecil Africa out on the wing and, and you're a prop and you're like, fuck, I'm in the wrong spot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, you, 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 you're going to want to you're gonna want to exploit the sort of the, the space just between, just before the wing, you know, call the link position in a, in a game of six down touch. You would call that the link or the center or the outside center. That that would be the, one of the big attack channels and uh, it would be all about trying to find those mismatches where you've got a, a real speedy back up against a, a slower guy but um, no I think I think what they're talking about with some of those rule changes as well you know uh, having 16 players available 10 guys I don't know if it's running subs but I, when we played 10s that it was running subs that's interesting because the uh, the, the coach is, is, is able to uh, put players on for certain plays you know and, and I, I think that yeah, it, 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 it could be a tactic a lot of fun as well. Yeah, um, with some of the rule changes and proposals that they that they've come up with. Yeah, you don't want to turn it into full blown NFL football where the coaches are like micromanaging the shit out of the game. But I do like the fact that you can get a little tactical with it, maybe a little tricky. I'm really excited. Obviously, Bermuda is no stranger to rugby. They've hosted the World Rugby Classic on their shores since 1988. Uh, this being the first year after 21 years to be canceled due to COVID. That's a nice little tournament where the old boys get to uh, put on the USA jersey and people play for their country. Our good friend Logan Collins has competed in the World Rugby Classic for the Classic Eagles. And he just said, you know, the island's amazing. It's everything you could ever want in a vacation, especially a rugby tour. Um, So Bermuda is no stranger and they're very... I would say well equipped to host this thing because obviously Barry we're dealing with COVID we're battling COVID from what I'm hearing the tournament organizers in Bermuda are being extremely stringent and strict on their COVID protocols and the island does create like a bubble-esque environment similar to the NBA they said we're going to play our entire season and postseason in one spot um, and test everybody every day whereas some other leagues in the states have tried to travel to home stadiums week in and week out and we've seen entire teams pop for covid and i you know we we just heard about rob shaw leaving the hotel in england and breaking the rules and i feel bad for players who who fuck up and 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 basically get entire games canceled but i will say that nobody's actively out trying to acquire covid everybody's doing their best and sometimes this you know annoyingly resilient virus just happens to make their way into what was a a strictly quarantined environment Um, and that'll kind of segue us into the first team hailing from South Africa your country SX10 it was announced this morning they had one player pop for COVID and due to the strict protocols the entire team is going to self-isolate in Bermuda and miss the first round of the tournament so this is unfortunate uh, but if we look at SX10's roster, I'm seeing some huge, yeah. huge names, uh, starting with yeah, the legend yeah. Colin Zanjira. Tell me about this squad. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks to me like there's a nice blend of, uh, of, of some youthful South African players um, that are playing their trade all over the place, uh, and some experienced guys from uh, both South Africa and Kenya. Uh, two notable standouts there, Colin Zanjira, William Barker, those are two legends of uh, Kenyan sevens those guys have been around for like, over over 10 years now and um, 
they are they are they, they will be awesome to watch in this in this format and they'll bring a lot of experience and add some flair as well to to, to, to this setup I mean Cecil Africa is probably the most famous name on that list he's really an absolute legend of, of the sevens I think he was world sevens player of the year um, a few years back he is probably at the right at the back end of his, his career now uh, must be mid 30s late 30s but certainly uh, more than enough quality to guide the rest of these youngsters uh, who seem to have a lot of South African names like Nodia and uh, Porter and Berger and Van Zale and, and De Beer, these guys, they're, uh, they're going to have a great time uh, playing with uh, you know guys like Cecil Africa, William Barker, Collins and Jordan. Yeah, and, and we got to give some MLR love. Connor Wallace-Sims uh, for Rooney yeah, is suiting up. up in there. And JP Duplessis, who just signed a four-year, uh, that's right, four-year contract with Nola Gold. Love to see those those contracts getting longer, providing players a bit more stability. So unfortunately, SX10 will sit out the first round, um, but it's not a death sentence. You just gotta you gotta do a couple forfeits, and and that's the way it goes with COVID. Again, no one's actively trying to acquire the virus, but sometimes uh, you get some shit luck. Um, but the next team really excites me: the Miami Sun. First off, very crisp logo, very vice. Uh, we have all the uh, Miami Vice colors there. Yeah, there's a huge, huge MLR showing here. Uh, we have a couple Rooney boys, including some big props, uh, Anthony Perry, Michael Brown. Uh, again, hopefully they won't get caught on the wing uh, with some of the speed in this tournament. But, I mean, I could go through the whole list. Uh, Nick Boyer, who has played all over the MLR with the Legion, the Colorado Raptors. Uh, he might end up on the Giltini squad that's uh, soon to be announced. Um, excited for this team, but there really is no way to kind of know how they're going to gel right out the gate. Another name that I've seen, um, and you've been following the international game longer than I have, how the hell do you even say DTH Vandermeer? Am I getting that right? He's a what? South African Funda, Canadian? Funda, Funda Merva, yeah. Merva is the correct way, but you could say Merva. That, that's acceptable. DTH Funda Merva. He is a phenomenal win. He's a South African-born boy, uh, but uh, he, he plays for Canada, doesn't he, on the, on, the, on the right wing and has done for a while, huh? Yeah, he... Uh, many, many Canadian caps, per Wikipedia. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I've caught that a ridiculous try in the last World Cup, like the, the, the 2015 one. Just such a good try. No, so this Miami team is going to be pretty spicy. Uh, another team is the yeah. London Royals, who have right. the beautiful crown in their logo, a little red, white, and blue. We're seeing some classic English talent here, headlined by none other than the pretty boy of the MLR, Ben Foden. Ben Foden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, amongst others, um, other massive names that I picked out here, Dan Norton, Tom Mitchell, um, both uh, England Sevens legends. I mean, I mean, Dan Norton, I think, is the fastest rugby player in the world. Well, um, how, very, dare very close, how dare you? Uh, how dare you? How dare you insult Perry that, Baker I, I like that? that. Colin Carlin Isles and Perry Baker just, just tuned off the show. Um, <laughs> but no, Norton is as quick as those guys. I mean, I'd hate to see the three of them in a dead heat. Uh, it's got to be so close, the three of them in a, in a, in a 50-yard dash. Norton is electrically fast. Um, getting, getting on in years, though, a little bit must be said. Uh, he's been around a long time. 
that he would be the pick of the players there for me, man. Uh, amazing, amazing player. Yeah, and I'm seeing four Seattle Seawolves on the team, including big Drew Duratalo, who has been capped with the Eagles for 15s and 7s. And like you said, you, you can't hide on a 10s field if you don't have skills. Um, yeah. And Drew Duratalo is like an absolute unit. You know, I don't have his exact stats here, but I would guess like 6'3", 250, um, but he can, you know, run and pass like a back. So that's always fun to tackle in the open field. Excited about this London yeah. Royals team. I'm guessing they'll probably do pretty well considering that core England Sevens talent there. Uh, those guys all know each other's game. They know each other's strengths. And quite frankly, they're probably going to be playing with a big fuck you chip on their shoulder after their program got cut, no? I think so. I think the, on paper anyway, um, from what I've seen, and I've just it's just been a glance, but um, the London Royals definitely have a, a, a very strong team on paper, as do the uh, SX10 players. So they're, they're your, I think those are your two strongest uh, teams on paper anyway. Well, well, but, let's uh, not yeah. skip the heart and soul of the American heartland, the original Uh-oh. pro rugby team, the Ohio Aviators. Uh, oh, look at this team. Coached by... A dear friend of Rugby Pick'em, Taylor Howden, who, by the way, I've been way ahead on this, will be the next Eddie Jones. You can write that one down right now. It's going to start in Bermuda. (laughs) Taylor's great, though. He's got a great playing history. He already has almost a decade of coaching in his pocket because he's one of those hustlers that not only plays for a squad but coaches in the youth environment. Uh, He's now running Rugby HTX's uh, Academy, the Sabercats Academy with Paul Emmerich. Um, and yeah, as they say, uh, a cheeky cunt, as they say down in New Zealand. So he, he's got he's got the Eddie's gruff. He's got Eddie's personality. You're going to be watching the evolution of Taylor Howden, the next Eddie Jones as a coach. Uh, but in all seriousness, this team will probably have the most chemistry um, going into the tournament because a lot of them are original Ohio Aviators who played together in 2016. Um, are there any people jumping off the page for you? Because I could go down this entire list and, and tell you how excited I am about yeah, some of I these mean, players. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an MLR uh, uh, All-Stars, really. Uh, but Will Maggie, J.P. Illoff, Bryce Campbell, I mean, take your pick, Dylan Fawcett. There's uh, uh, Rickard Hutting. Oh, jeez, that's a beast. Uh, yeah, no, this is an MLR uh, All-Stars team. Uh, oh, uh, Shalom uh, Suniola is in there. Uh, yeah, just a, lot, a number of uh, the best players in MLR are going to be turning out for Ohio. And uh, you're quite right, that team can gel and, and, and do very well as well. Now, just um, a theoretical question yeah, here. you got all these great players. They're chomping at the bit to get on the field. Um, let's say Taylor names the first lineup and... I don't know. Let's say someone like uh, Dylan Fawcett, the butcher, who's captained every team he's played for, who basically doesn't know how to sit on the bench, right? Because he's always started. What happens when the first lineups come out and, you know, you didn't even make the squad? Do you think players get butt hurt? Uh, Do their egos take over? Or do they understand this is a month-long tournament and the coaches have to kind of choose their spots and... I, I guarantee for the first round uh, that unfortunately we will be seeing today because of the hurricane delayed it, uh, today's start, I think we're going to see a lot of tinkering. Like coaches don't even really know what they have yet, right? Absolutely. There's, and also, the, you know, the idea of, I think to develop a squad into what is really your best 
10 and then your best match 16 because that apparently is going to be the parameters that they're going to work off. A lot of opportunity to insert players uh, and for some players literally to go out there and, and, and just burn it for three or four minutes straight, uh, give it 100% and, and, and come off for literally three to four minutes each and, uh, and just rotating so everybody's fresh all the time. Um, could be could be very interesting, actually. I'm excited. I, I love the old school Ohio Aviators. I kind of wish they were wearing their pro rugby uniforms just because I'm a nostalgic yeah. person. I love the shit show that was pro rugby. Uh, but no, they have fresh <laughs> kit. They have their beautiful old... Yeah. 1800s looking plane on there. Actually, I don't think they invented planes till the early 1900s. I could be wrong here. No, this is this is a serious team, um, and I think if you're talking finals and, and you want to put a future in on a team to win, I think the safe money goes with the Aviators. These next couple teams are, um, I don't know, I, I guess you could say a mishmash, and, and most of them are, but the Asia Pacific Dragons, obviously it's very hard to like get people playing in Asia all the way over to Bermuda. So they were going to lean on on the states to get some players. Um, so I do see some MLR talent here. Threaten Palamo, uh, Vili Tolutau, who was the MVP of the inaugural season where the Seawolves held the trophy. Um, but just a mismatch here. Uh, Kurt Marath, interesting enough, is, is the primary fly half option. And Barry, we have a little behind-the-scenes position competition here. We have three different Austin Gilgronies fly halves playing for three different teams in the form of Kurt Marath with the Asia Pacific Dragons, Will McGee with the Ohio Aviators, and Zinzan Ilamputik for the London Royals. It's interesting. We have uh, three different Austin Gilgronies, not necessarily competing for the job just yet, but I'm sure the new... Uh, Australian GM will be watching closely. I guess they would have a, a wealth of fly halves at this point. It's it's one of those good problems. Definitely. Um, well, I, I think the quality of the rugby and uh, the, you know, I guess, and all these guys turning up and being fit and able and ready. I mean, sure, it's it's, it's interesting. You're going to need big squads because I can assure you, there's going to be a couple of injuries here too. Hey? Uh, this is tournament rugby as well, and uh, they're gonna. This is the this is the hard reality. A lot of these guys haven't had a game for a long, long time. They're gonna be turning up in Bermuda, playing against you know some of the, some of the best other players that are also you know fresh and, and, and hungry and ready to go. So uh, I just hope that they get through it all right. Um, it's gonna be a, a bit of attrition um, as well uh, through these throughout this month long rugby, and and, and, and uh, I'm hoping that these guys who haven't played. Uh, are actually prepared as, as well as they can be in, in, in this shape going into this uh, as they can be because tens is not uh, you know it's not it's not it's not soft eh? no <laughs> no there's going to be some real crash boom bang out there and um, you know it, it's uh, that's my only concern really is that this looks like it's going to be a real crash boom bang and I just hope these boys are, are ready for it mentally and physically because um, everybody's going to be out there trying to prove a point um, with all the. Uh, yeah, contracts. Everyone looking for contracts for next year. Yeah, we talked a bit uh, off camera about how rugby. We talk a lot about safe tackling and whatnot. It's still a collision sport. It's still extremely yep. dangerous to play the game. Um, and you're right. When when you play tournament style and have a million subs ready to go, people are going to get hurt. Uh, we just hope that. Nobody has that devastating injury where, you know, it's one year to heal. Exactly. And, and one of the ways you can 
mitigate against that is to make sure players are not on the field for long periods, you know, that you are turning over your players quickly, that they're on there for three or four minutes and then they're off, you know, and that you're bringing players into into a contact situation slowly but surely over, over a period of time. You know, that's one way of trying to mitigate it, I guess. I mean, you can't put these guys on, on cotton wool, but uh, if you're playing the same guys for the full 20 minutes uh, when you've got 16 guys at your disposal, and one guy gets injured, that might not have been the best, you know, sort of late in the game, that might have been avoidable. You know, yeah. if the coach is, 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 is honest about changing things up. Uh, sweeping through the last two teams, we have the Rhinos from Southern California. Um, and a name that jumped out to me were a couple of Nola Gold guys, uh, Carl Meyer, okay. who's South African, big, big, big center, can play fullback. Julian Dominguez, uh, an Argentinian from Nola Gold. Look out for those two names. Mikey Tail will captain the squad. Again, don't really know what we have going on um, with with how they'll gel, but the fact that they have a roster is more to say than the Middle East Phoenix, who, no matter how hard I've tried to look online, there is no list of their players, but apparently they're competing. So good luck to the Middle East Phoenix, who are figuring it out as they go. And sadly, Barry, there was one more team based out of Buenos Aires, an eighth team who was set to compete. They couldn't get it done due to COVID restrictions. But um, this whole tournament, I'm just happy that there's something to turn on. Um, Obviously, I want to see my guy Taylor and the Ohio Aviators do well. But random question out of left field, are we going to see like full field malls? Can can you really get a good mall going in tents? Um, no, I, 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 I guess you could, um, <laughs> and maybe the conditions would, uh, would would determine whether or not that's a good idea. You know, if it's uh, raining, it's, it's tropical there. They might have to play in a in a downpour, and if it does get you know heavy underfoot, then possibly the mall from uh, you know from 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 reasonably far out will, will become a place. I don't think you can ignore it, and you better sure as hell figure out how to defend it uh, because if it's a close game. Yep, you go to the corner and you're going to look to maul it in. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's a, it will be a factor, but I don't think it's going to be as big a factor uh, because there's other ways, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely other ways to score more in the more, more by moving the ball to the wings. Um, that's where the space typically is. But, yeah, it should be pretty good to watch if they put on a show. It could be very, very interesting uh, to see what the product could look like um, for American rugby. What about the tactical kicking, or as Harpo likes to call it, Aerial ping pong. He well, hates be, it, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but I think there'll be more value for for, for well executed kicks. You don't always get value for your kicks in in fifteens. In sevens, it's often considered you know counterproductive to kick the ball away. So no, I think um, uh, having ten on, uh, you've obviously it's, it's going to be slightly easier to defend than you would sevens. So territory becomes more important in a tens game than in a sevens game, but less important probably than a fifteens. Possession is, is probably as important as in sevens or, or in fifteens, but uh, uh, you can attack from deeper intents. Um, and it depends. Again, you, you you'll find different teams will come with different strategies. You'll have loose to teams that'll be quicker. Probably looking at uh, that that SX10 team. Uh, you've got a lot of sevens players there in that, in that side. They're going to look to move the ball quickly. They're going to try and have as little contact as possible. They'll try and offload before they get tackled, and they'll try skin teams on the outside. And then you'll have other teams probably got a bit more physical uh, beef up front and they'll, they might look to, to, to play a punch straight and then you know hip passes having backs running straighter lines off, uh, off, off, off them so there'll be many ways to, to get to, 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 to get it done and uh, 
these guys are going to be the pioneers. They're going to show us the way and, and, and the best coaches. I'll be interested to see what the coaches come up with as well because I think they will have more of a role to play in this than uh, possibly even 7th coaches and, and even 15th coaches um, with their tactical subbing if that's going to be part of it. Very excited for the Bermuda 10s. Before we sign off, just tell me, what the fuck is going on with the Springboks? Give me the spark notes. <laughs> well... We're still basking in our glory uh, of the World Cup. And, uh, I think the guys took a collective decision that they didn't really want to play, uh, and that COVID was a perfect opportunity to just take some time out and um, just just hang on to that number one spot. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, they are all you know chomping at the bit to get going. Uh, but Rassi and the guys at SA Rugby have, have had to make a very difficult decision with regards to uh, the rugby championship, but South Africa have pulled out of the rugby championship this year. Um, it just was impossible to get uh, a team ready and prepared given our situation with COVID versus the situation that they've had in New Zealand and even Australia, um, where they, they've already competed a full domestic uh, competition and, and have really been back to, back to normal in New Zealand. Uh, we haven't had that luxury. We've only just got uh, back on the field, we, we're in our third week of of of, uh, of Super Rugby domestic only Super Rugby in South Africa, so we're way behind them in terms of um, you know player development. It actually wouldn't be fair or safe on on our players um, to to go into a rugby championship with so little preparation and actual rugby under the belt. And bear in mind that you know the South African players are actually scattered all over the world with various uh, COVID protocols, you know, restricting travel and. It's not, a, it's not an easy situation right now. So what you're saying is that Rassi made a tough call, but he did it to protect his players. Definitely. Um, you know, we would never want to have wanted to sit out. Obviously, the fans are all disappointed we won't be there. But I think people also understand this is not business as usual. This is not a normal time. And, 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 and decisions have to be made in the best interests of, 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 of people's welfare right now. And... Um, that's what they've done. Um, South Africa will be back. We, we're looking forward to the British and Irish Lions tour coming up in 2021. Um, that's really going to be uh, all eyes of world rugby will be on that one. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, but right now, <laughs> Springboks are not going to be playing. So <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the show. We'll be watching the Bermuda Tens for the next couple weeks on ESPN+. Plus. If you're in the States, it'll be available on that platform. Um, any last thoughts? I wish all the best to everybody at, uh, at Bermuda 10. And, uh, you know, I hope it's a successful event. And let's hope everyone tunes in. And uh, I look forward to your feedback. I won't be getting ESPN Plus out here in South Africa, so you'll have to let me know how it all goes. All right. If you haven't listened to our last episode, we had Harpo back, our uh, resident curmudgeon, a.k.a. our boomer, on the show. It's always fun time at Rugby Pick'em. Pick'em! Myth, one would say. You are right. But there's absolutely no negotiation on ball skills like your ability to pass, run, and catch into space. Call the link position in a, in a game of six down touch, you would call that the link. How the hell do you even say 
DTH Vandermeer. You know, you know, you know, you know, and you know, this can't be good and this can't go on. I mean, we really are life support, so. It, 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 it could be a tactic deal of the fun as well. Oh, look at this team. He's got Eddie's gruff. Tactical kicking, or as Harpo likes to call it, aerial ping pong. Just tell me, what the fuck is going on with the spring box? How are you?